Welcome to TSX Quarterly, the podcast that brings you publicly available earnings calls from companies listed on the Toronto Stock Exchange in one convenient location. Gone are the days of looking through confusing websites. You'll find the important information right here. Enjoy the call. Good morning, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you for standing by. Welcome to Dorel Industries' fourth quarter 2020 results conference call. At this time, all participants are in a listen-only mode. Following this presentation, we will conduct a question and answer session. Instructions will be provided at that time for you to queue up for questions. If anyone is having any difficulties hearing the conference, please press star followed by zero for operator assistance at any time. Before turning the meeting over to management, please be advised that this conference call will contain forward-looking statements that are forward-looking and subject to a number of risks and uncertainties that could cause actual results to differ materially from those anticipated. I would like to remind everyone that this conference call is being recorded today, March 12, 2021. I will now turn the conference over to Martin Schwartz, Vice President and CEO. Please go ahead. Thank you. Good morning, and thank you for joining us for Darrell's fourth quarter earnings call for the year ended December 30th. Joining me are Jeffrey Schwartz, CFO, and Frank Graner, FPP of Finance. We will take your questions following our comments. And a reminder, all figures are in U.S. dollars. Our three businesses performed quite well, and adjusted operating profit was in line with our expectations. Dorel Sports saw continued strong demand throughout the quarter despite supply chain constraints, which reduced its performance. Similarly, a lack of product availability at Dorel Home resulted in lost sales opportunities, particularly in e-commerce. Dorel Juvenile continued its improvement, although the second wave of COVID-19 slowed the momentum, specifically at Dorel Juvenile Europe. As you know, Dorel's independent shareholders, shareholders voted against our proposed privatization, thus stating their confidence and potential for the company as a public entity. Going forward, our focus is shareholder enhancement through solid execution. For a review of our three segments, consumer demand for Dorel sports bicycles remained high and segment revenue grew for the second, seventh consecutive quarter. Both the Cycling Sports Group and Pacific Cycle posted gains, which would have been greater had it not been for supply constraints, which limited growth. Cannondale has changed a traditional model year structure to the calendar year. The change shifted some orders from Q4, the fall winter period, to the current first quarter. This making things more convenient for dealers and notably is matching inventory with the key spring selling period. Pacific Cycles investment in e-commerce during 2020 contributed to its growth. The division successfully launched Schwinbikes.com and Mongoose.com, which drove incremental sales. Kaloi recorded a record volume of orders driven by loosening of COVID restrictions in Brazil. Their reported revenue was down, but up double digits in local currency. Demand for bicycles overall is clearly outpacing the ability to supply in both the IVD and mass channels. COVID had been the catalyst which has prompted many new consumers 
to gravitate to bikes. And going forward, we see this demand continuing to grow. More and more people on bikes is becoming the new normal. This is excellent news, yet current issues are affecting the entire bike industry. A shortage of bicycle components is resulting in very long lead times, which is having an impact on CSG. This is putting a cap on supply, although we are working with various factories to mitigate this. Mass and specially our Pacific Cycle Division is being challenged by the lack of available trans-Pacific containers to meet demand, and this is constraining further top-line growth. Costs are also going up. At CSG, we are successfully passing on the increases in freight and components to our customers. However, it is a bit different at Pacific, where higher FOB costs, freight and foreign exchange, specifically the stronger RMB, are only being partially covered by price increases to retailers. So in summary, the long-term view is sustainability, is sustainable higher sales, currently being challenged by a disrupted supply chain and cost increases. This summer, Cannondale's new state-of-the-art assembly plant in Almelo, Netherlands, will come on stream to multiply the current production capacity of Cannondale bicycles and e-bikes and allow for an increased focus on premium quality products. This will serve us well with the increase in demand, particularly for e-bikes, which is becoming our number one selling product, mainly in Europe. At the rail hall, Q4 demand also remained high. But like sports, sales were limited due to the lack of available containers to ship goods, which has kept inventory low. This curtailed sales, particularly in e-commerce, which is why this channel represented 57.5% of segment total sales, compared to 70% last year. Brick and mortar sales offset this with another strong increase, thanks to solid POS at major mass merchants as, as stay-at-home orders were eased across the U.S. The rail home business is increasingly being com com comprised of branded sales. Little Seeds, Cosmos, and Novagrad again beat prior year numbers, and we expect this growth of our higher margin branded products to continue. We are also confident our, our relationships with newer brands, such as Queer Eye and Mr. Kate, will help support our margin improvement plan. Mr. Kate la launched last month and initial results have been positive. Sales in Europe continue to be strong and profits were substantially improved over a year ago. The segment had a, has added resources to expand opportunities outside of the UK into mainland Europe. Durell Juvenile's adjusted operating profit, profit was up significantly from last year as the majority of its markets performed better with the largest improvement coming from the ongoing transformation program at the Rail Juvenile Europe. Revenue is down slightly due to the second wave of COVID, which slowed the, the momentum in Europe. However, e-commerce resulted in a modest year-over-year -year overall improvement. Sales decreased in the US, also partly due to the impact of COVID. On sales of mobility categories, such as car seats and strollers, which was somewhat offset by increases in products for the home. Brazil and Chile both recorded improved revenue in local currency as e-commerce continues to benefit both markets. Several new products were launched through the quarter in the European and North American markets. 
Thanks to the innovation of our teams, the Rail Juvenile received an impressive 46 global and regional awards last year, including most trusted brand for car seats, best design, best baby gear, and outstanding customer satisfaction. The award-winning products are in almost all product categories in all the all Darrell Juvenile global and key regional brands. For our outlook, looking ahead, now in this new fiscal year, many of the conditions of 2020 are continuing. COVID is still impacting consumer behavior, and while our sports and home segments are benefiting from the higher demand, container availability, and higher costs, increasing commodity costs, and a stronger RMB are disrupting our supply chain and are increasing the cost of our products. At Juvenile, we are supposed to deliver earning improvements versus the past several years. But in the short term, store closures in some markets, lower demand in mobility categories, and recent evidence of lower birth rate is why the segment is being most negatively affected by the pandemic. Specifically, demand for Doral sports products remains very strong. Despite the industry-wide reality of component availability limiting production and higher costs, the year is off to a strong start. Q1 expectations for sports are for revenues to increase significantly and for adjusted operating profits to be much better than both the prior year and Q4 of 2020. The rail home is benefiting from heightened demand for home products with branded sales such as Little Seeds, Cosmos, and Novogratz expected to continue to grow through 2021. Like sports, supply is challenged by a lack of container availability and a spike in cost. Overall, we expect the home segment to continue to deliver revenue growth with some, but with some volatility in earnings. COVID continues to affect the rail juvenile. We remain positive about our longer term perspective based on our strategic direction our best ever product portfolio, advanced e-commerce capabilities, and a return to more normal shopping conditions. However, Juvenile's first quarter will be difficult due to a number of short-term challenges and coupled with increased input costs, this is expected to decrease adjusted operating profit from 2020 Q4 and be more in line with last year's Q1. On behalf of senior management, I thank the rail employees in all our locations worldwide for their contributions in 2020. We recognize that our success of the past year is directly attributable to their hard work, and we all look forward to even better days ahead. I will now ask Jeffrey to provide the financial perspective. Jeffrey. Thank you. Uh, for the fourth quarter of 2020, the rail's revenue increased by almost 51 million to 704 million uh, compared to, uh, or 7.8% compared to last year. Uh, organic revenue improved by about 8.4% when we removed the variation of foreign exchange. Uh, the, the improvements were in Dorel Home and Dorel Sports. They were offset uh, partially by declines in, in Dorel Juvenile. Uh, and the home revenue increased due to strong POS sales in most uh, categories. Uh, particularly brick and mortar, which we have not seen in a while. I, I'm going to talk a little bit about that later. Uh, Dorel Sports, uh, you know, revenue improved again uh, for the four, seventh consecutive quarter. Uh, as Martin said, demand is very, very strong for bikes, um, and it's limited by uh, by supply. 
um, everywhere. Uh, Doral juvenile uh, growth in uh, both Brazil and Europe, uh, driven by e-commerce, was offset by some declines in the U.S. Uh, due to the uh, last wave of COVID in, in Q4, which impacted um, the mobility ca categories, particularly even car seats. Uh, gross profits for the quarter increased 130 basis points to 21.6 compared to 20.3 uh, in 2019. Uh, when you exclude restructuring costs, uh, adjusted gross profit was 21.7, representing an increase of 140 basis points. The improvement in the quarter was mainly due to Durrell Home uh, and Durrell Juvenile, partly offset by the decline of Durrell Sports. Uh, the home margin has improved uh, due to lower warehouse costs from lower inventories and reduced promotions. Uh, the juvenile margins improved to uh, favorable foreign exchange rates, uh, better product mix uh, coming from the new products that uh, are, are, have been successfully introduced, and some lower commodity costs. Um, and Dorel Sports' decline is mainly due to uh, increased freight costs uh, and then last year's um, one-time uh, refund of uh, tariffs on kids' bikes. Um, selling expenses for the fourth quarter were uh, just 3.5% uh, higher than last year. Uh, general and administrative expenses, however, were, were uh, $68.2 million, an increase of $23.4 million. Um, or 52% or, or, or higher than last year. Uh, the increase was mainly driven by investments in information technologies to uh, support the growth of the e-commerce platform, uh, some higher product liability costs, higher people costs, and most importantly, uh, a one-time $7.5 million uh, cost related to the uh, privatization efforts. So that is, like I said, a one-time Results. Um, moving over to finance expenses, uh, as our debt has dropped, uh, so has our uh, interest charge. And finance expenses were down 5.1 million to 9.4 million uh, compared to the 14.5 million last year. Uh, so uh, that is being, you know, we're, we're pretty proud of that. Uh, on the tax side, obviously that's a big one for this quarter. So uh, the increase in taxes is, is again, a one-time um, uh, $19.1 million uh, write-off due to uh, the reversal of previously recognized tax benefits related to prior year tax losses in certain jurisdictions around the world. Uh, so we, you know, in a review of uh, where we would likely be making the uh, profits in the future versus where uh, these deferred taxes uh, lie, lay, uh, we were um, forced to write off uh, some in certain jurisdictions where we no longer thought we would be making the same amount of money uh, as we had in, in the past. Um, in addition, um, the company's effective uh, uh, and adjusted tax rate is always affected by a change in jurisdictions in which the company generates its income. If we move over now, to some of the segments. Uh, oh, like before that, sorry, I'm going to go. I just want to talk quickly about uh, profitability. So obviously, uh, the net income was down significantly 
uh, we have a loss of 22.9 million uh, compared to uh, compared to 0.6 million uh, of uh, or from last year. Uh, excluding restructuring costs, the loss was 18 million uh, versus uh, a net income of 2.3 million last year. Uh, however, from an adjusted operating profit, as we had said in our previous uh, press releases, um, when you remove the seven and a half million of costs related to the privatization, we were very similar to the numbers we did last year. So we were able to uh, to come in where we expected on that area. If we now, if we break it down by division or segment, we look at home um, home. Uh, Revenues increased by 10.7% or 22.7 million. Uh, the increase in the revenue was explained primarily by a very strong um, POS and uh, brick and mortar channel where we grew over 50% um, in the quarter versus uh, previous year. Now, some of that has to do with availability of products. So uh, again, in a, in a world where um, you know, factories are running at capacity and a shortage of containers. Uh, a number of our brick and mortar customers have gone towards uh, basically picking up uh, their, the goods in the factories in Asia and, and arranging for transportation. And those businesses uh, did better because they were able to get more inventory than some of the other businesses in which we have to carry the inventory um, in North America. So, uh, you know, I think that I know we're, we're very happy about that, um, but I believe that that's probably an anomaly, and I don't expect to see numbers like that continuing forward. I think we're going to continue to be selling the bulk of our product through um, through internet channels uh, as we have in the past. Uh, gross profit, 15.8% uh, in the quarter, uh, improvement of 330 basis points from last year. Uh, you know, the fourth quarter improvement was uh, was lower warehouse costs. We, we most significant as we have a lot less inventory than last year. And also last year we did significant promotions to bring down the inventory um, to create demand this year because demand was there and we didn't have excess inventory. Uh, we, we really shied away from uh, a lot of the promotions that we did last year. So, uh, that would be the result from the operating profit. Um, it improved by almost 50%, uh, 5.9 million in the quarter to 17.8 million from 11.9 last year. Uh, and again, the improvements were, were basically across the board, revenue growth, gross margin. Uh, we did have a small increase in expenses, but overall very pleased with the solid quarter there. Uh, over in sports, um, you know, revenue increased by 13.8% uh, to 20, $265 million. Um, when you exclude the impact of foreign exchange rates, the organic revenue growth was actually almost 16%. So again, very strong demand in, in, in the quarter. Uh, organic growth was in all our divisions, uh, CSG, Pacific, and Colloy. Uh, gross profit, however, uh, dropped significantly. Um, it declined by 320 basis points to 20.8 versus 24 last year. 
Uh, again, the decline was uh, an increase in costs, increase in freight. Uh, uh, we we have not yet, uh, oh, sorry, as of the end of the fourth quarter, we had not implemented a lot of our price increases to our customers. That happened in Q1 of this year. In addition, last year we had a one-time grant of uh, tariffs, uh, return of tariffs related to bike uh the kids' bikes um, in the fourth quarter of last year. So when we put it all together, uh, you know, operating profit was only 1.9 million during the quarter compared to 9.8. Um, you know, when we take out uh, restructuring, uh, you know, profits declined by 10.2 million uh, to 3.4 million from 13.6 last year. Uh, if we look at earlier this year, if we compare to, uh, you know, quarters two and three, which were so strong, um, you know, the difference was, uh, you know, a, a definitely a drop in sales from reduced container availability, uh, and, and as well as a less favorable customer and geographical mix. Uh, so we sold a lot more lower margin product um, than we did in the previous quarters. Um, you know, we, we also, like I said, have, have significant cost increases um, and most of the price increases only took effect sometime in Q1. So we put all that together. It was a, a difficult quarter, but I think uh, one that's behind us and you know we're expecting better things as we move forward. Uh, if we look at the juvenile, um, revenue declined by 3.9 million um, or 1.9 percent. Uh, organic revenue actually defined by 2.4%. If you take out foreign exchange uh, from the calculations, um, the decline was in the, in the quarter was really uh, a little bit of weakness in the U.S., particularly in the car seat category uh, due to uh, the resurgence of COVID. Um, and even in, you know, we don't usually talk about it, but Australia um, had a lot of shipping delays from China, as, as did a lot of parts of the world. I haven't talked a lot about that in juvenile, but uh, the container uh, issue did definitely push back sales as well, uh, but not to the same extent as the other two divisions. Uh, if we look at gross profit, um, you know, it was uh, definitely increased. It was 29.3%, an improvement of 520 basis points. Uh, again, favorable foreign exchange was behind that. Uh, most importantly, a better product mix. Uh, more of the new products that we introduced this year uh, are, are selling than, than ever before from a new product standpoint. Uh, we're very excited about that going forward. Uh, selling expense in the quarter uh, decreased by 3 million or 11%. Uh, the decrease in selling expenses explained mainly by cost containment measures initiated to mitigate the impact of the lower sales. Uh, so we are reacting. I mean, people really need to understand that although, you know, COVID has treated our bike and home business well, um, it has not been favorable for the juvenile business. And uh, if we look around the world, um, even today, there's numerous, numerous of our customers are closed still. Uh, places like, um, you know, places all over Europe, uh, Peru is, is in pretty bad shape from that point of view. Uh, Brazil's in bad shape. So, uh, we still continue to suffer from that, but nevertheless, uh, we, we put together a good, um, a good plan for 2021. Um, 
You know, operating profit in the division uh, was 1.9 million uh, during the quarter compared to an operating loss of 4.1 million. Uh, if we exclude restructuring costs, adjusted operating profit improved by almost $8 million to 5.6 from a loss of 2.3 last year. Um, so uh, a, a good solid quarter, despite all of the headwinds that, that COVID is bringing this position. Uh, if we look at our balance sheet, um, we're, we're, we're in a much better, a much stronger place than we were one year ago. Uh, our debt is down. Our covenants are in a much better place as, as our, our earnings are up. Um, and uh, we are working to finalize a new long-term uh, debt deal with our banks and hope to, uh, you know, we're planning to have that in place in the next uh, couple of months. Uh, so um, with all that, I'll pass it back to Martin. Thank you, Jeffrey. Okay, I'll now ask the operator to open up the lines for your questions and request that you please limit it to on your first round to two questions. Operator. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. We will now conduct the question and answer session. If you have a question, please press star followed by one on your touchtone phone. You will hear a tone acknowledging your request. Your questions will be pulled in the order they are received. Please ensure you lift the handset if you're using speakerphone before pressing any keys. One moment, please, for your first question. Your first question comes from the line of Derek Lassard from TD Securities. Please go ahead. Yeah, good afternoon. Uh, sorry, good morning, everybody. Um, I was wondering if you could maybe just talk about um, some of the feedback you might have gotten from, from investors, particularly those who might have been opposed to going private transaction and wondering how you um, maybe plan on integrating some of the, the feedback or, or ideas that they might have provided to you. Yeah, okay. Um, really what we've taken away from it is that uh, shareholders see, see uh, a deep value in, the, in the, you know, the business, the assets of the business, the um, opportunities in the future, um, which you know, we share. Uh, and, and a lot of them have given us some feedback that they know it's bumpy and uh, they know quarter by quarter um, it's not consistent, which is something that we continue to <laughs> stress to the market. And, you know, the reality is after all these 25, 30 years of doing this um, and we've tried to be consistent, it's just not the nature of our business, uh, given that, you know, we do a lot of this low margin, high volume stuff, um, which, which causes volatility. So I think, you know, we accept the fact that, you know, and we agree that there is some long-term value here um, and we're going to uh, try to get at it and grow these businesses and, and get to that value. Um, but like I said, it's, it's, it could be a bumpy ride. I mean, we said, we said this to shareholders during the process that, you know, it's, it's, Bumpy. Look, we're writing off a deferred tax asset. Uh, you know, we've had goodwill, the restructuring. I mean, um, you know, are we finished restructuring? Hopefully not. Does our restructuring plan for the most part have worked? Our, our European plan is doing very well. Um, but that's just the nature of our business. So if you sort of put, buckle up, um, you know, we're in three to 
different businesses, uh, you know, put on your seatbelt and, and we all think we're going to get to a much better place, but it's probably not going to be a smooth ride. I think that's, that's the vision that we have. Okay. Is it, and is it, uh, obviously, um, you don't, you're not managing the business on a, on a short term basis, but your, your vision, are you looking out five, 10, like uh, you have a longer term, um, objective uh, not necessarily i mean you know we're, we're not we can't i mean the, things change so fast in our business uh in our industries nobody you know a five-year plan is a joke um but you know obviously we're, we're looking farther than just the next quarter um and um you know building the value we've, we've done a good job in the bike business i mean it's what, well, the hard part for shareholders and and you know analysts is you know what Part of Dorel's results are COVID-related, and what part is, you know, or what part is Dorel-related? What have we done internally that have improved or, or gone the, the wrong way versus what the market's doing? And that's difficult. You know, we see some of that. That's difficult to see outside of this, and it's, you know, we'll have to wait and see. You know, an example would be: I think we've done a great job on our new products in, in, in juvenile, right? But, you know, with stores being closed and demand being down a little bit and, and, you know, distribution being challenged, it's hard to really document that. But, you know, we, we, I know where we were a year ago with new products, particularly two years ago, which was really bad. Um, and we had a really good year in 2020 um, with our new products. But you don't necessarily see those numbers yet. Okay. And I guess maybe on, sorry, on, on one of the, on, on one of those um, COVID, I guess, driven businesses in, in bikes, I guess I was wondering, I mean, you guys have said, or you've expressed confidence that you expect demand to continue in a, in a post COVID world, just wondering, mm-hmm. um, you know, what, what gives you that, that confidence? And, and the second is how do you think about the business in a post COVID world, knowing that you, you do have these headwinds coming up, right? If you're, lapping some tougher comps and and you've got now some supply chain um, constraints. Well, I mean, it is going to be challenging on the top line. I mean, people, you know, we, what we were saying was Q2 and Q3 last year, particularly Q2, we had a lot of inventory, right? So we were able to really push the sales very hard. We're going in with a lot less inventory and limited supply, as you know, these, these are not Dorel problems. These are industry problems. They start at the component level, really. Um, there's just not enough components being made today by those sort of manufacturers, people like who do derailers and suspension forks. And those, that's the limiting factor in the industry. Um, and it's not going to change in two months from now. Uh, so, you know, that's going to be the challenge. Um, we do have, you know, uh, some good things happening, particularly in the Cannondale area where the product continues to improve, the operations continue to improve, uh, the customers, we have more customers today. Um, You know, things are really good aside from just what I'll call industry demand, but but you're right, there is going to be a limit to how high you can go this year. Okay. Thanks, guys. Your next question comes from the line of Stephen McClure from BMO Capital Markets. Your line is open. Uh, thank you. Good uh, Good morning, guys. Good morning. 
Um, I just wanted to follow up a little bit just on uh, Derek's question, just with the, you know, with the deal having, um, um, you know, the deal agreement being, uh, being uh, uh, not successful. Um, you know, and I know Jeffrey gave a little bit of color, but is there anything from a strategic or initiative perspective that, you know, maybe you th- maybe you'll focus on now that the privatization transaction hasn't happened. Like, is there any are there any targets or metrics that you're working towards that, um, you know, that as part of a broader strategic plan? And it, now that you are continuing to be a public entity, yeah, I mean, I think that's what we're working on right now is is figuring out the direction that we're going to go. It's only been a few weeks. Um, so, yeah, we will have that. We're, we're in the process now of going through exactly what that is. So, no, I'm not ready to communicate any changes in, in our strategy. Okay. Okay, thank you. Um, and then maybe just a couple of, uh, of more acute or, or near-term questions. You know, you talked a little bit about uh, the, the model year shift being negative for Q4, positive for Q1 and the, and the bikes business. Um, can you, are you able to quantify what that impact looks like, how much it maybe took out of Q4? And then when you think about um, how much it'll give to Q1, and when you combine that with increased demand, you know, you're talking about revenue being up significantly on a year basis. Are you able to give a little more color on what that magnitude looks like? On your first question, not really, because what again the the, the limited supply that's that's really container limitations and 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 component limitations is really you know the whole story. Um, so it's difficult to quantify exactly what the shift meant this year. I know what we you know in theory we thought it would be much greater than it probably will be the shift. Um, but having said that, you know, again, it's, it's, you know, I don't, I'm not going to use the word unlimited, but, you know, obviously we, we're not going to get anywhere near the amount of bikes that we could get to sell if we had them in Q1. So, uh, again, I'm not going to give you a, a forecast there, but, um, you know, last year was a very difficult Q1 from an earnings standpoint and sales. Um, and now everything that's coming in is going out pretty much. And, you know, the good part is there's no, there's no real, um, you know, there's still an inventory built to have. So the big question is, you know, what happens if supply catches up to to demand? I don't think it's going to be, um, I don't think it's going to be a, uh, like a light switch suddenly. Like we had that back, I think it was 2013 perhaps, where literally the market shut down and there was way too much supply and and people were in trouble in February of that year. Uh, There's no inventory anywhere at the retail level, at the factory levels, uh, you know, and whatever comes in is going out quickly. Um, You know, having said that, we want to look, you know, um, you know, we are expecting a large double digit increase in Q1 on the top line. you know, and again, it was it was a difficult. It's an easy cop, right? I mean, let's face it, that was an easy cop last year. Um, but uh, I, I think the key thing is the is the underperformance in the sports of Q4 is not going to repeat itself in Q1. We're still expecting to do quite well in Q1. But but 
but it is a challenge versus Q2 and 3 because we don't have that extra inventory that we had back then. That's, that's the thing the market needs to understand is nobody does. Nobody has, you know, that, that whatever it was, uh, 50 to $100 million of goods that we can throw into a quarter. Right. Okay. Okay. Now that's, uh, that's helpful color. Thank you. Um, and then uh, when you think about the container issues, you know, obviously impacting sports as well as the home business, um, do you have any visibility into when those, uh, you know, when that, when those constraints begin to ease up? All I can say is, I guess it's not getting any worse for the first time in maybe four months or five months. Um, when will it get better? I, I don't know. And this is a worldwide problem, right? This is way beyond Dorel. I mean, I, I don't even think the press is even getting half of it. I mean, it's affecting right. food. It's affecting just all commodities. Uh, and costs are going to go up. I think, you know, this can drive inflation, you know, on its own almost because as it's difficult. Uh, will it catch up? It, it might, you know, later in the year. We don't know. But honestly, this, again, it's beyond us. We, we talked to all the experts in the uh, logistic industry and, uh, you know, people just have guesses. So, you know, anything you can find online would be as good as what we know. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, and then maybe just on the, finally on the tax side, um, are you able to give a little bit, I know you some color on the call about the tax accrual reversal. Is there anything else to it, um, you know, more specific about some of the geographic movements? And then secondly, um, how do you expect the tax rate to, uh, where do you expect it to normalize to this year? The, okay, the first part, no, I mean, it's, it's in numerous different places. Again, as our business shifts, if, if you have divert, you know, some deferred taxes sitting in a region where you're not, you know, where we don't think we're going to get the same income that we thought three years ago, you know, you have to look at that and then, you know, you write off the, those results. And I mean, it could mean that we just have an income in a different area where we don't have as much, you know, deferred tax. Or, 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 or losses from previous periods. So um, that, that's really what's behind that. It is, it is again, a one-time thing. We think we've cleaned that up. Uh, going forward, uh, Frank? You wanna... 25 to 30 is probably the right range. Okay. Thank you. Oh, okay. Okay, that's, uh, that's great. Thank you. There are no further questions at this time. Mr. Martin Schwartz, I turn the call back over to you. Okay, thank you. Well, well, that concludes today's call. I just want to thank you all for being with us. And uh, everybody have a pleasant weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, this concludes today's conference call. Thank you for participating. Please disconnect your lines. Thank you for listening to TSX Quarterly. If you enjoyed the cast, remember to leave a good rating. And remember, for any additional inquiries, please consult the company's investor relations section on their website. See you next time.